0: Well, if we could this morning with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling if we could turn back to that portion of scripture that we read uh, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians and chapter 6 it's on page 1163 if you're using the pew bible 2nd uh, Corinthians 6 I'll read from actually the last verse of chapter 5 2nd Corinthians 5 verse 21 where Paul writes for our sake he made him to be sin." who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you, not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favourable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favourable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. With the summer holidays uh, now fast approaching, I'm sure that many of you are planning to get away for a few days, maybe some of you are going abroad uh, to the hot sun, but you know in order to leave the island you have to travel by sea on the ferry or you have to travel by air on the plane. And when you use these modes of public transport, uh, before your departure, uh, you will always, well, you'll always be given this safety briefing on what to do in the event of an emergency. And as you know, when you're sitting on the ferry, uh, the tannoy sounds, the bing bong it goes, and then it gives this safety instructions on what you're to do and where you're to assemble in the event of an emergency. And the same is true when you travel on the plane. Prior to take-off, you're given this safety demonstration. There's this member of the cabin crew and he or she, they'll tell you where the exits are. They'll tell you where to find your life jacket, how to put your life jacket on, and when and where to inflate your life jacket. All the information that you need, it's all there so that you know what to do in the event of an emergency. And that's why they tell you uh, to listen carefully, to listen carefully to the safety announcement. But you know, when you're sitting on the ferry or when you're sitting on the plane prior to your departure, have you ever looked around you and have you ever noticed that, well, people, they aren't actually listening to what's been said? Because, well, everybody's talking or everybody's busy sorting themselves out. Everybody's trying to make themselves comfortable in order to, to depart and when you look around, you begin to question, "Well is anyone actually listening to what this person is saying? Is anyone paying attention to the safety announcement? And you quickly realize that there's people there looking at their iPads or they're reading the paper or they're talking to the person beside them, and they're not listening. They're not listening because they're either too busy, too distracted, or they've heard it all before. They're, they're not listening because they're either too busy, too distracted. Or they've heard it all before. And you know many people are like that with the gospel. Maybe you are like that with the gospel. Where you hear the gospel tanoi. It goes out week by week. And the safety announcement. It's given. And you're told what to do. And you're told where to go. In the event of an emergency. You're told that your only safety. Is in Jesus Christ. And that you're told where your assembly point is. It's at the cross of Calvary. And you're also told that you need to be prepared and you need to be ready for the emergency of death that will come and that you will depart from the scene of time into eternity. But you know, my unconverted friends sitting here today, is it fair to say that for long enough, you've ignored this safety announcement, this safety announcement (coughs) about death and eternity? And you've ignored it because you're either too busy, you're too distracted, or you've heard it all before. But failure to listen to this safety announcement, it will lead you to an eternal disaster in hell. And you know, in many ways, that's what Paul is doing in this passage. He's giving a safety announcement on what to do in the event of an emergency. But we have to listen to how Paul puts it. It's out of love, care, care. ...and compassion for the congregation in Corinth... ...that Paul warns the people... ...about the need to be prepared for eternity. And you know, the same is true. It's out of love, care and compassion... ...for you, my friend... ...that I want to tell you and remind you... ...that you need to be prepared for eternity. And this is not a time for you to be too busy... ...or too distracted... ...or say, well, I've heard all this before... This is a safety announcement. And my plea to you today is that you will listen carefully to the following safety announcement. Because in this passage, we're given this safety announcement where Paul reminds us about an appointment. Then Paul gives us an address. And then Paul, he concludes with an appeal. So there is, Paul gives, he, makes, he reminds us about an appointment. He gives an address and he makes an appeal, an appointment, an address, and an appeal. There are three headings uh, this morning, this safety announcement. So, first of all, an appointment. Paul reminds us in verse 10, 2 Corinthians 5, at verse 10, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And you know as Paul begins his safety announcement to the Church in Corinth, he solemnly reminds them about the emergency which they have to be prepared for. and Paul says that this emergency it's appointed it's not a drill, it's not a practice run, it's an appointed emergency, and it's an appointment that they'll not miss. But, you know, notice what Paul says. Paul doesn't speak to the congregation in Corinth. He doesn't doesn't just say to them, well, you must appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. No, Paul says, we must appear. Paul doesn't stand back and exclude himself from this divine appointment just because he's a Christian and he's a minister of the gospel. No, Paul includes himself in this. Because Paul knows that he too will be judged. Paul knows that as a Christian, and even as a minister of the gospel, he will also have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. That's why he says in verse 10, we must appear. We must appear. In fact, Paul includes everyone in this, and he excludes no one. He says we must all appear. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. Paul says we must all appear regardless of who we are or where we're from or what our upbringing is or what class, country, gender or race we are. Paul affirms that God has set this appointment for all of us to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of our life. You know, God thinks so highly of the life that he has given to you. That one day he will ask you what you did with it. And you know, my friend, you might miss appointments throughout your life. You might miss doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, school appointments, hair appointments. But you know, this is one appointment you will not miss. And it's an appointment you can't avoid. You can't run from it. You can't prevent it. You can't even ask to change your appointment. Because as the Bible clearly and solemnly reminds all of us. It is appointed unto man. Once to die. And after that, the judgment. That's the emergency that we all need to be prepared for. The emergency of our own appointed death. And you know my friend, I'm sorry if this is too direct. I'm sorry if you think this is too direct. But... As a minister when I have to stand over an open grave and when I have to address those who are still living it's those who are in our community still on mercy's ground and remind them about the certainty and the reality of death it's then that I see the urgency of this message. The urgency of this message because of those around me that I love. Those who I care for in this community who are still on Murshi's ground, and I want them to listen carefully to this safety announcement. And you know, I'm not ashamed that this safety announcement has to go out because God is not willing that any should perish. The Bible says that God wants all people to come to Him in faith and obedience because the reality is this is the reality of life life is uncertain. Death is sure. Sin is the cause. Christ is the cure. I was reminding them of that at the funeral on Monday. Burying a 55 year old man. Life is uncertain. Death is sure. Sin is the cause. Christ is the cure. My friend it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that the judgment. And Paul says that it's because of this divine appointment. That we must We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the word must that Paul uses in verse 10. It carries with it the idea of being summoned by a king. Because when a king summons you. You must appear before him. When a king calls you into his immediate presence. And he demands that you stand before him. You must appear. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that there's an appointment set for your life and for my life. He's saying that there's a day coming when we're going to be called out of the scene of time. And summoned before this great king, King Jesus. And when our appointed time comes at death. We must. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And give an account. And you know my unconverted friend. Can I ask you today. Are you ready? Or are you ready to stand before King Jesus? If this King summoned you today. And called you out of the scene of time. Into eternity. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because we must. We must. It's a certainty. We must all appear before him. Before the judgment seat of Christ. And give an account. And, you know, we'll have to give an account of all the things that we've done in our body, says Paul, whether good or evil. We'll have to give an account of the things that we've thought, the things that we've said, the things that we've done. And it's not that Jesus will, well, he'll just weigh up the good deeds and the bad deeds and, well, we'll just see how it goes on the scale. That's not how it's going to go. The only question that King Jesus will ask on the Day of Judgment The only question that you're going to be asked is What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with the one who could make you righteous? What did you do with the one who could save you? What did you do with Jesus? Did you accept him or did you reject him? Did you seek him or did you turn away from him? Did you follow him or did you just ignore him? Were you too distracted, too busy, too comfortable? What did you do with Jesus? Are you in Christ? Are you out of Christ? Are you saved or are you lost? Are you on the broad road or the narrow path? Are you a Christian? Dare you say that you're a Christian? Wouldn't it be great today if you said, yes, I'm a Christian? What did you do with Jesus? And you know, in many ways, you don't need to wait until the day of judgment to find out how it will all go. Because sitting in the pew where you are today. If you were called today. And summoned before this king. You know how it will go with you. You know how it will go. Where Jesus to call you and summon you. To appear before him at his judgment seat. You already know what he's going to say to you. Don't you? You don't need to be told. But that's why this safety announcement has to go out. That's why you need to be warned. Because there's one thing I don't want anyone to hear from the lips of Jesus. Is depart from me. For I never knew you. It's one thing I don't want Jesus to say to you. When you stand before him. Depart from me. For I never knew you. And so in this safety announcement Paul reminds us that there's an appointment. It's appointed unto man once to die. After that the judgment. And we must all appear... Before the judgment seat of Christ. And give an account. But you know it's because of the urgency. Of this appointment. Paul gives an address. So there's an appointment. And then an address. An address. Look at verse 10 again. He says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due. For what he has done in the body. Whether good or evil. Therefore. Knowing the fear of the Lord. We persuade others. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. You know, based upon the fact that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, Paul stresses the urgency of this emergency. He says, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Now, the word fear, it's not in the sense of reverence, but literally terror, horror, (coughs) wrath, punishment, and hell. It describes something that you wouldn't want anyone to experience for themselves. And Paul says to his congregation in Corinth. This congregation that he loves. And that he he cherishes. And he wants them to be saved. He says it's because we know the wrath and horror and hell that awaits those who reject Jesus. He says it's because of this that we persuade men, women, boys and girls to come to Christ. And be reconciled to God. Knowing the terror of the Lord, he says, we persuade others. And notice Paul says, we. It wasn't just Paul. It wasn't just Paul that was trying to persuade people to come to Christ and be reconciled with God. That was the responsibility of all the Christians in the church. Every Christian in the church was included in this we. We persuade others. Because, you know, it's the responsibility of every Christian in every community to persuade people to come to Christ and be reconciled to God. And, you know, our motivation for doing it should not only be out of love and care and compassion for lost sinners in our congregation, in our community. Our motivation, our passion, our persistence, our persuasion should be because we ourselves as Christians, have been saved from the wrath to come. We've been saved from God's terror, God's horror, God's wrath, God's punishment, and even saved from God's hell. And you know, it is God's hell. Because let's never forget that it's God who created hell. And it's God who prepared it for those who reject him, along with with the devil and his angels. And you know, my Christian friend here today, our motivation to speak to people about their soul or to invite them to church or to a testimony evening or to a Bible study or to Christianity Explored, our motivation, our passion, our persistence, our persuasion should be because we know the terror of the Lord. We know what Jesus says about hell. We know that Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. We know that hell is the place of never-ending torment and suffering. We know that it's the place where there is pain and punishment for sin. We know that hell is an eternal fire where you are eternally dead. My friend, hell is a real place and real people go there. But my Christian friend, that's the reason we're to be motivated and passionate and persistent in persuading our unconverted friends here in our congregation and even throughout our community that they need to come to Christ and be reconciled to God. That should be our motivation. The terror of the Lord should mean that we persuade others. But you know, that's not our only motivation. Because our motivation, says Paul, it's twofold. Paul says that the Christian's motivation and passion is to come from the fact that we know the terror of the Lord. But we also know the love of Christ. He says in verse 14, the love of Christ controls us. Literally, Paul is saying the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ compels us the love of jesus for lost sinners should be our motivation the love of jesus for sinners such as we are should be our motivation and it's you know it's twofold on the one hand we know the terror of the lord on the other hand we know the love of christ and it should compel us to persuade people and you know this word compel that paul uses in verse 14 it's the image that oh, that he he's He's seeking to portray this image of, of squeezing something. Because I suppose if you imagine squeezing a tube of toothpaste. Or you imagine squeezing a bottle of tomato sauce. You squeeze it. You push it together. It only has one way to go. It has to go outwards and forwards. It always has to go outwards and forwards. And that's the image Paul is giving to the Christians in Corinth. And to us as Christians here in Barba's. Because on the one hand we know the terror of the Lord. We know the wrath of God against sin. But on the other hand we know the love of Christ for lost sinners. And Paul says these two things. These two things should squeeze us together. And drive us outwards and forwards. In motivation and passion and persistence. In trying to persuade those we know and love. To come to Christ and be reconciled to God. My Christian friend, our motivation is twofold. The wrath of God and love for sinners. And you know, that's why the gospel is such good news. Because we'll never know how good the good news is. If we don't first of all understand how bad the bad news is. And the bad news is, we've all sinned. We've come short of the glory of God. And the terror, horror, wrath of God against our sin is resting upon us and awaiting God's judgment. But the good news is, and never lose sight of the good news. The good news is that God has demonstrated his love towards us. The God of heaven has shown us how much he loves us. In sending his own son to die upon a cross in our place. And through the death of Jesus Christ, you have the privilege and you even have the promise that if you come to this Christ, earnestly seeking his forgiveness, you will receive reconciliation. You can be made right with God. And you know, where there was once rebellion in your life and rejection of Christ and even resistance to God, when you come to this Jesus, you will experience reunion with God you will experience restoration from sin and you will experience reconciliation with this great God and King and as you know reconciliation reconciliation all depends upon forgiveness because we can only be reconciled with someone if if well they're willing to forgive and if we are willing to ask and the good news of the gospel is that God is more than willing To forgive your sin. God is more than willing. To forgive your sin. But the question is. Are you willing to ask? Are you willing to earnestly ask the Lord. To forgive your sins and make you his. Are you willing to ask the Lord. Save me. Are you willing to earnestly ask the Lord. Lord create within me a clean heart. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me white as snow. You know, my unconverted friend, God is more than willing to forgive you. This is the wonder of the gospel. But are you willing to ask? Are you willing to ask? And you might say to me, Well, I've been asking. I've asked the Lord to forgive me. I ask Him all the time. I'm asking Him every day. But have you earnestly asked? Wholehearted commitment in asking. Have you earnestly asked the Lord? And so you can see why Paul's safety announcement is so important. Paul reminds us that there's an appointment. It's appointed unto man once to die. And that we must appear before this judgment seat of Christ. And it's because of this appointment Paul gives the address. Knowing the terror of the Lord and knowing the love of Christ. We are to compel and persuade unconverted friends to be reconciled with God. But then Paul says an appeal must go out. An appeal must go out. That's what we see lastly. An appeal. So in this safety announcement Paul reminds us about an appointment. He gives an address and he makes an appeal. An appeal. He says in verse 20. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. If you're using the Pew Bible, uh, you'll see that the title of this section is called The Ministry of Reconciliation. The Ministry of Reconciliation. And as a Christian, and even as a minister of the gospel, Paul knew that he was part of this ministry of reconciliation. Paul understood that his purpose as a Christian was to make an appeal to those in his congregation and those in his community who were still outside of Christ and would one day have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And, you know, knowing the terror of the Lord on the one hand and the love of Christ on the other, Paul, he's motivated, he's passionate, he's persistent about making this appeal to lost sinners. And Paul's appeal, in many ways it's very simple. Be reconciled to God. That's Paul's appeal to the congregation he loves. Be reconciled to God. You know, what an appeal to make. Be reconciled to God. And you know as a Christian. Paul took his Christianity seriously. And needless to say. So should we. Because for Paul. Christianity wasn't just something he did on a Sunday. Where he showed up for church for a couple of hours. Paul lived out his Christianity. Where he was. What he was doing. And he took his Christianity seriously. So much so that he describes himself. He describes The Christians in his congregation, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives of King Jesus. And Paul says that when he makes, when King Jesus makes his appeal to lost sinners who are under the wrath of God awaiting the judgment seat of Christ, he says, it's God who's speaking to them through us. We are just the ambassadors, we're the representatives. And God is making his appeal through us. We are just speaking on behalf of Christ. My friend, it's not me speaking to you today. God is speaking to you. God is calling you. Just as we were saying to the children. Calling you by name. As it was for Moses. Moses, Moses. Calling him to come. God is appealing to you. And you know my unconverted friend. As a minister and even as elders. And as Christians in this congregation. Our appeal to you. As Paul writes here. We implore you. We want you. We beg you. We desire. And long for you. We plead and pray for you. That you will be reconciled. To God. Do you know there was one amazing thing. Well, there was many amazing things about the faith mission being here. But the prayer meeting in the morning. The amount of people they named from this community before the throne of grace. And many of them are sitting here this morning. You were named personally. Because the longing was that you would be reconciled to God. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. And the thing is you can be reconciled. Don't think you're outside of this. Paul says in verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. My friend, you can be reconciled to God right here, right now, all because of what Jesus did on the cross. It was all because of Calvary's great transaction. You can be reconciled to God because it was upon the cross of Calvary that Jesus Christ Who knew no sin. He became sin for us. He became a curse for us. That we through his righteousness. We might be made righteous. It was Calvary's great transaction. Where the worst about him was laid. uh, The worst about me was laid upon him. And the best about him was laid upon me. My sins were transferred to Christ. His righteousness transferred to me. He took my sin. He took my guilt. He took my shame. He took my hell. Also that I could be set free. It was Calvary's great transaction. You know, this is the wonder of the gospel. And you know, it was with that that Paul, he went on to say in this great safety announcement. He says at the beginning of chapter 6 at verse 1. Working together with Christ then. We appeal to you. As a congregation. Not to receive the grace of God in vain. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't try and and be saved by your own efforts. Or your own knowledge. Or your own works. Or your Bible reading. Or your church attendance. Don't think that these things are going to save you. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. But receive reconciliation with God. Receive Christ as your saviour. Receive forgiveness of sin by simply asking. Simply asking. You know that's the promise of the gospel. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. But when is the right time to ask, seek and knock? Well, listen to what Paul says. He says in verse 2, "In a favorable time I listen to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you." Behold, now is the favorable favorable time. Behold now is the day of salvation. There's a quote there in verse 2. Paul quotes from Isaiah 49 In order to emphasize that before Calvary's great transaction, before Jesus died on the cross, reconciliation with God was not completely possible. But because Jesus died on the cross, condemned in the place of sinners, condemned in your place and my place, the way is open. Salvation is freely offered. The gift is on the table for the taking. And you're told in the gospel, now is the accepted time to come to Christ. Because now is the day of salvation. You know my unconverted friend. The time to come to Christ. Is now. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. We don't know about tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. The Bible says now. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. You know, it's a wonderful text, verse 2 of chapter 6. And when Spurgeon, when Charles Haddon Spurgeon preached on this text during the 19th century, he wanted to reason with his congregation. And he wanted to reason with them because he loved them so dearly. He wanted them to be saved. There were so many people there who were still unconverted, but he emphasized to them the urgency of the gospel. And what Spurgeon said about verse 2 of chapter 6. He says, my text says, come now. Some of you say, I want to go home and think about it. But my text doesn't say, come home and think about it. My text says, come now. Now is the accepted time. Some of you say, say, Spurgeon, I want to go home and pray about it. But this text doesn't say, go home and pray about it. This text says, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Some of you say, I want to put it off until a later date. But my text doesn't say, put it off until a later date. My text says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And Aspurgeon addressed his congregation that he loved. He loved them and he said to them, now is the time. Now those who are sitting in the pew under the word of God, now. I appeal to you now. Because now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Now. You know, what an appeal. That's the appeal of the gospel. Come now. Ask now. Seek now. Knock now. Because today is the day of salvation. My friend, this is your safety announcement. And I hope you've been listening carefully. Because there's an appointment. It's appointed unto man once to die. After that, the judgment. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the deeds done in the body, whether good or evil. There's an appointment. There's also an address. It's because we know the terror of the Lord. And it's because we know the love of Christ that as Christians in this congregation and in this community, We try to persuade you. We plead with you. We implore you. And there's an appeal. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Now. This is your safety announcement. So come. And come now. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. (coughs) O Lord our gracious God we give thanks to thee for the loving warnings that are given to us in the gospel and Lord help us always to see that they are given lovingly and that they are given out of a care and concern for lost souls and Lord that we would heed the warnings that we would respond to them appropriately not rejecting them or resisting them but coming on bended knee Asking and seeking and knocking, knowing that for everyone who asks, he will receive, the one who seeks will find, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Lord, work in our hearts, we pray, bless us, we ask, and watch over us throughout today, that thou wouldest keep us on mercy's ground, even until we find thee. Do us good, then, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to bring our service to a conclusion by singing the words of Psalm 62. Psalm 62 in the Scottish Psalter, it's on page 294. Psalm 62. Psalm 62, we're singing from verse 5 down to the verse marked 8. For David writes, my soul wait thou with patience upon thy God alone. On him dependeth all my hope and expectation. He only my salvation is, and my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defence, I shall not moved be. And David goes on in verse 8, you, you people place your confidence in him continually. Before him pour ye out your heart, God is our refuge high. So these verses of Psalm 62 from verse 5 to verse 8 to God's praise. after the service so please don't run away home Uh, stay behind for a time of fellowship if you can Uh, we'll just conclude Lord we give thanks for thy goodness to us we thank thee Lord for the tokens provided for us bless them to our body's use and help us always to eat and to drink and to do everything to thy glory and we ask Lord that the grace, mercy and peace from God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit would rest and remain with us all both now and forevermore Amen.